When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody! Welcome in the Utopia Football Podcast. Our Week 5 recap episode. We'll do a little four stock up, four stock down shortly. The Texans beating the Jacksonville Jaguars today for their first win of the season. 13-6, the final score. A barn burner in Jacksonville. 13-6, the final score. There were some interesting things to come out of this game, and probably uh, most of all, the Texans finally got a win. So there will be no winless teams in the NFL in 2022. The Texans made sure of that today. Their ninth straight win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. As we welcome you into this edition of the podcast, as we get you ready, there's a bye week coming up as well, but don't worry, there will be Utopia football podcasts during the bye week. I'm Sean Pendergast, uh, one half of Payne and Pendergast in the mornings on Sports Radio 610, alongside the Hall of Famer, our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and also GallerySports.com as well, John McClain joining me. John, how are you feeling? You feeling victorious today, John? Uh, it was fun. I was happy for the coaches and the players and the McNairs and Casario and all of them. You know, you lose four games when you blow opportunities in the fourth quarter and you wonder, will you finally do something positive to win or will the negatives keep getting bigger and more pronounced? And they had one touchdown drive and, and I was very generous in my grades on sports radio, 610.com. And I, in my column, I wrote, for gallery sports, I wrote about Damian Pierce's 20-yard run, reminded me of the runs Earl Campbell used to make for the Oilers when he would run over people and break tackles. That was, I cannot remember a better run in Texans history because he broke six tackles. And I've gone back and watched it three or four times. It's just amazing. That should have lit a fire under everybody. And then the defense played its best game. What blew me away about the defense, you know, I was killing them on the run defense in the first quarter. But after the first quarter, they only gave up 61 yards rushing and I gave 81 last week. So maybe the run defense is getting a little better. But, you know, they get a, they get a bye week now. Nothing like going into a bye with a victory. Yeah, they, they needed that win, um, no doubt. And, yes, heading into the bye with the win. So, how, John, I want to back up to something you said because you've seen – every single snap in Texans history. That was the greatest run in the history of the franchise. Is that what you just said? Damian Pierce's 20-yard run yeah, I, at the touchdown? I, I, was, I, can't, I don't remember any back breaking that many tackles against a really good run defense in the Jaguars. And um, and people had him. You know, they had good shots. And at one point, they had two and he just broke away from him. I've never seen a better Texans run. I bet you Mark Vandermeer and Andre Ware, if not either. Mm, interesting. 
Well, if any, if I, 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 we'll have to plant that seed with Mark Vandermeer and see if he brings that up on Texans radio this week. Greatest run, certainly the most tackles broken because I think it's mathematically impossible to to break any more tackles than Damian Pierce broke. Clint Sterner and I counted on the broadcast, and then they showed a different angle of it on the Red Zone channel that run, John. And I think I think there were nine different guys that touched him on that play from the opposing wow. team. It, it's it, now I say nine different guys. There, there were nine times that he was touched by a Jaguars player. Some of them might have touched him twice. You know, like there, there's a chance that somebody got a hit at him around the line of scrimmage, and because he was breaking so many tackles, that person had a chance to catch up to the end of the play and then got broken again by Damian Pierce. But, man, Damian Pierce is so much fun to watch. Can you imagine, John, before we get into four stock up and four stock down for this game, you know, people talk about, well, if Davis Mills this or if Davis, if he just played a B minus level, they'd win how many games, blah, blah, blah. I was thinking about this today. Can you imagine this team right now if the stable of running backs they had was the same one they started last season with? Can you imagine if Damian Pierce wasn't on this team right now? He's He is easily the most valuable player on this football team right now. Not to mention the most fun to watch. And we're talking about, you know, they don't have a team of stars. He's the emerging star. Yeah, the Texans are getting ignored by the uh, ESPN, NFL Network. I hope that uh, top 10 plays on SportsCenter, I hope they at least check out his run to see if it's worthy of the top 10. I can't imagine a better play. They love to feature catches, great catches. But, man, you're not going to have a better running back or anybody running the ball that had a better run than Pierce did in that game. Well, and John, if we just want to contextualize that play, it was meaningful too. It wasn't just striking, you know, visually. It wasn't just, hey, it, it was a 24-10 game and he had a nice 20-yard run that made it, you know, that got him in, in field goal range. Like, the Texans don't score a touchdown in this game without that run. The, got, the, him to, got him to the two-yard line. Yeah. Gained one. I was glad they didn't try to have – Mills throw to a tight end or something, but it couldn't have worked out better. And um, and he's such a good guy. Yeah, you know, ever I'm glad they brought him to the podium. That might be the first time he's been to the podium because good interview comes across very well. And uh, it's clear. I saw a thing last week. He is the leading rusher among rookies by far. And I saw a story talking about Brees Hall was the best rookie running back because he's a good receiver. And I'm thinking, uh, I think run, he's not called a receiving back. He's called a running back. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a national media person. Probably hadn't seen anything of Damian Pierce. Well, Brees Hall is going to show up on all the highlights this week, too. He had a hell of a game for the Jets today and their win over the Dolphins. He had a 79-yard catch and run early in that game. And he was really, really good, too. But uh, love having Damian Pierce on this football team. All right, John, let's do it. Let's break this game down the way that only you and I can do. Four stock up, four stock down. We talk about uh, who put up good effort this week, who needs some improvement. And the let's start with the let's start with the winners in this whole thing. The stock up, folks. John, the honors are yours, as always. Who's your first stock up? Since we talked about Pierce, I'll go somewhere else. Derek Stingley had his first interception in the end zone. Of course, he went brain dead trying to run it out nine yards deep and got to the two-yard line. That could have been very, very costly. But Pep Hamilton threw a series of short passes, and then Pierce's running was able to just barely get across midfield, and they punted. But Stingley also had a knockdown on the last next-to-last drive, I think it was, when it was fourth and one. 
but I thought that was kind of his coming out party. Trevor Lawrence moved the ball, but boy, he was off target a lot. And I thought a couple of the calls, especially in crucial situations, throwing the ball down the field when it was kind of short yardage, that Doug Peterson did not distinguish himself. Yeah, I don't either. And Stingley was in coverage on the very last play, that fourth down play that they, yeah, you're right, second to last drive. I know he had the pass batted down. He was also in coverage on the fourth down play where they turned it over on on downs, the last series before the Hail Mary series at the end. Yeah, Stingley, um, Stingley had a nice game today. And I love the angle they showed, John, of the interception on the replay from behind the end zone. You could see Stingley kind of covering his zone, and you could see him turn his head and finding somebody to go cover in that in that spot and just was sort of lurking. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence just didn't see him. Um, but I thought that was that wasn't just the case of, hey, Trevor Lawrence just threw it at a guy who was standing there. I thought Stingley kind of baited him into that and did a really good job of finding somewhere to go be productive on that play. He's a really smart player. He wasn't too smart when he tried to run out from nine yards. No, he wasn't. That was that was kind of dumb. He used up all his smartness on in, in securing the football, not running it back. You're right. <laughs> All right, let's do my first stock up. My first stock up is Nico Collins. Uh, four catches for 65 yards. It seemed like they were all meaningful catches too. Even the little six-yard catch that he had towards the end, where it, he turned a he turned a, a second and eleven into a third and five. Um, but the big one was the 23-yard catch on sort of the you know just kind of the the 50-50 ball that Davis Mills threw up to him. That was on the touchdown drive. There were several meaningful plays on that touchdown drive. Um, the, the, the Nico Collins, the, the Nico Collins, 23 or 24 yard catch, whatever it was, John, Nico Collins, the 23 yeah, Nico Collins is showing up more and more here over the last couple of weeks. You had the 58 yard catch last week against the chargers. Um, he's getting open. You know, if you watch the all 22, like Nico Collins is getting open. Um, but Davis Mills just isn't finding him maybe as much as he should. I like seeing Mills throw a ball up to him and just let him go get it. This is why you drafted him, because he's got a big frame like that. They did it in the preseason in that Rams game right before halftime where Mills threw a ball up in the end zone and let Nico go get it. And this was a really acrobatic play on which he was getting interfered with. Um, so Nico Collins, four catches, 65 yards, and he's looked more like a number one receiver the last couple of weeks than Brandon Cooks has. I remember tweeting, Right at the start of the second half, memo to Pep Hamilton and Davis Mills, get the ball to Nico Collins. They are so enamored of throwing those short five-yard passes to Brandon Cooks, and it's a waste. Cooks averaged five yards a catch in this game. And instead of, I don't care if Collins, he's 6'4", he, he, he jumps like a basketball player. And Mills said after the game, he didn't really consider him to be a 50-50 thing. So, Elvin, throw the ball to him more. Sometimes I just don't understand a lot of their play calling and a lot of their passes, but I'm not going to complain much since they finally won. All right, John, what's your next stock up? We've got Derek Stingley Jr. that you just gave. I gave Nico Collins. Who's your next one? Uh, I'm going with uh, Desmond King, the third. Mm. Uh, he knocked down a couple of passes. He played inside. You know, that last interception was interesting because Lawrence, he was chased around and was inter he threw his Hail Mary. I think King must have intercepted about the 20-yard line. And uh, then he had the common sense to go down after he ran a while, so he didn't fumble. And um, But I thought Desmond King played the best game he's played since he's been here uh, when he got here last year. And I, the secondary, I gave an A on my report card. It was the only group I gave an A to. And considering they didn't get much pressure, didn't – 
did well. I'm saving my. I, they only hit the quarterback one time. No wow. sacks, one hit. I hear Lovey talking about the pressure. And every once in a while, they get some pressure, but most of the time, they didn't get squat. No, no, that's and it's crazy too, John, because that was a real strong part of what they did the first three weeks. They were among the best in the league at pressuring the passer, and now just empty, totally empty here. And the, Lovey's not helping them out with any blitzes or anything like that, but that's a staple of Lovey's defense. He tries to win with four guys up front. Um, you know, it's going to be going to be an interesting after game after the bye week out in Las Vegas with, uh, you know, with some of that firepower that the Raiders have. All right. So we've got Derek Stingley Jr. I got Nico Collins. You just gave Desmond King. Um, I'm going to go one here since we, since I almost feel like it feels like cheating to give Damian Pierce at this point. Um, I almost feel like we should name the stock up after Damian Pierce because he's been so good this year. I'm going to mix in a guy who also had a big play on that touchdown drive. It might fly under the radar behind Nico's play, Damian Pierce's tackle-breaking um, run, and then, of course, the penalty on Trayvon Walker, which was one of the most boneheaded plays that we've seen. I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. Um, but Jordan Akins had a big catch on that drive. He had two catches today for 22 yards. They had a third and 11, or a third and 10. I'm sorry, they had a third and 10. Um, they had a third and five. They got backed up to a third and 10 because Titus Howard had a false start which I thought was a little sketchy. It looked like the Jags jumped off sides. But at any rate, on a third and 10, the announcers were talking more about trying to set up a field goal attempt than they were the Texans actually converting the third down. I thought Davis Mills made a nice throw on that play, and I thought Jordan Akins did a really good job on that third and 10 and securing the football and then turning up field and getting the ball out in front of him so he could reach for the, the first down marker. Jordan Akins got called up to the main roster off the practice squad for the third time so far since he's come back, John on the team. Um, next time they call him up, he's got to be a permanent member of the football team for the rest of the year as the rules go. So it's a big day for Jordan Akins. Not only did he make a really important play in this game, but he is set up for if and when they call him up in the practice squad again, he's going to be a Houston Texan for the remainder of the season. He has made a big play in each of his three games. Yep. And it makes you wonder why don't they get the ball to him more? He's always been good running running with the ball because he's fast. And I don't know why they don't utilize the tight ends. They just don't. They had three catches for 28 yards, and I don't think that's their fault. I think that's Hamilton and Mills's fault. But I'll tell you another one since we've used our four. Here's two as a package deal. Mm -hmm. Cam Johnston and Kaimi Fairbairn. Mm. Fairbairn field goals of 50 and 51 yards. Yeah. Cam Johnston, three inside the 20 at his first touchback of the year. 48 gross and a 42 net. Both those guys continue to excel. Yeah, that's a good one too, John. I like that add-on there, the special teams, because special teams should be acknowledged. Special teams made a big play early in the game um, on one of those Cam Johnston punts, pinning the ball down inside the five-yard line. Special teams continue to be a really – big bright spot for this team all right john so it can't all be just uh, puppy dogs and rainbows we got to have some stock down in here as well so give it to me who's your first stock down davis mills mills is 16 of 24 for 140 yards now he didn't turn it over and that's great he was only sacked once but it was one of those man you think oh no here they go again with crucial sacks and penalties at the worst time and they did but they were able to overcome him. His rating was 81.9. Mm. It's almost, and all those short dump-off passes, I just don't understand. 
It looked to me today like Pep Hamilton didn't trust him to make throws. You see Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball down the middle to the tight ends and the wide receivers on crossing routes. They don't see Mills doing that. Nope, nope. He's not even trying those throws for the most part. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Davis Mills, they won the football game today, John, but Davis Mills did nothing to change the needle on the Davis Mills replace-o-meter. You know, he's, he's, uh, he is still in line to be replaced, I would imagine, this offseason by a young quarterback. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Good for him to get the win, um, but not a great game for, for Davis Mills today. Um, my first stock down, we've mentioned him before, but Brandon Cooks. Where is Brandon Cooks this year? It kind of goes hand in hand with Davis Mills. And, um, you know, I probably need to watch closer to see if Cooks is open and he's just being missed. But the bottom line is right now, especially after signing a contract extension, he's being paid to get you a whole lot more than four catches for 20 yards or whatever it is he had today. Um, it's not been a good year for Brandon Cooks. Maybe I'm a little sore because I'm a Brandon Cooks fantasy owner in two of my leagues. Also, Ooh. he's not done anything for me. Yeah. I'll let Ooh. you guess what my record is in both of those leagues right now, John. Uh, not good. Not good. The Texans have a better record than me. I'll put it that way. Um, so, uh, my Brandon cooks is my stock down Although, with a caveat that I'm not sure of how much of it is Davis mills fault. They, they won the possession battle for the first time this season. And, uh, for Brandon cooks to average five yards of catch, that is preposterous. Maybe he can't get open. Maybe the routes are different. I'm wondering a lot of people defending Pep Hamilton. I don't think so. I have not been impressed with his offense at all. And he's my next one. Pep Hamilton's offense is is making people wish Tim Kelly was back it's as true. the coordinator and the play caller. This offense, Mills threw the ball well down the field last year. Cooks caught it down the field. They spread the ball around. And uh, I just I just don't understand why this offense is so bad. And the guy that oversees it is Hamilton. And he was fired midway through the 2015 season by the Colts. And this is the first time he's caused plays in the NFL. But Mills is a different quarterback. If they didn't have Pierce to bail their butt out, think mm. of where they'd be. Yeah. They'd be headed, and they still might be, for the C.J. Stroud pick. By the way, he had six touchdowns against Michigan State on Saturday. Yes, he did. <laughs> he had the C.J. Stroud, good football player, no doubt. Uh, yeah, Pep Hamilton's a good one. John, I'm going to do a stock down, but not a Houston Texan. Just stock down in general for a player who played in this game because we can't talk about this game without talking about the Trayvon Walker penalty on third and 20 where he slung Mills to the ground. That might have been Mills' best play, being near Trayvon Walker when it got into Trayvon Walker's <laughs> head that he needed to sling Davis Mills to the ground. Um, and for those who, you know, do, who just heard about it or didn't see it third and 20, the Texans had, um, they were in real trouble, you know, third and 20 for them may as well be third and 50. And for whatever reason, after jumping offside, no less, because it was about to be third and 15 with a five yard offside penalty on Trayvon Walker. Um, the uh, Trayvon Walker went and slung Davis Mills to the ground after the whistle, there wasn't even a play going on. And 15-yard penalty, Texans get a first down. A couple plays later, Damian Pierce is running through the entire Jags defense, uh, just uh, running over guys. And then a couple plays after that, the Texans get a touchdown. In a 6-6 game, a 13-6 lead felt massive at that point. That does not become possible if Trayvon Walker doesn't have the ultimate brain fart and sling Davis Mills to the ground. Bro, you are the number one overall pick in the draft. You're not some fringe 
uh, undrafted free agent or some rookie who's or, or some veteran free agent who's a who's a roster chum who's going to get cut probably in a couple of weeks. You're the first overall pick. You got to be making plays, not plays like that one. I got to protest. You never said we could pick players from other teams. And if you're going to pick him, instead of being stock down, it should have been stock up because he helped the Texans win the game. Okay. Well, I'm going to say stock down. And here's why, John, because he's the number one overall pick. And the Tex Texan fans kept calling some, not all, but some kept calling the postgame show saying, what are they doing winning? We need to get the number one overall pick in the draft. <laughs> and I would point to them and say, oh, you mean the last two number one overall picks who lost the game to the Texans today? <laughs> Trevor Lawrence and Trayvon Walker. So I don't know why. I don't know how that translates into him, him being stocked down. But I, I had to mention Trayvon Walker in here somewhere, John, because that was a huge play. That might have been the biggest play in the game. And it, it wasn't was even an actual play. play. It kept that drive alive. It'd yep. been third and fifteen. Who of who of who among us thought they would have converted that third and fifteen? Are you kidding me? No chance. No chance. Um, I was waiting for that Rex Burkhead screen pass, like everybody else was. Oh. We got hey, the Burkhead got a first down play today. That's two games in a row in which he's gained a first down. Yeah, yeah. He, he got a nine yarder and a six yarder. Yeah, and he touched the ball like four times. Fine. Let him do that. My issue is not with Rex Burkhead getting targeted a couple times and touching the ball four or five times. My issue is that that's Rex Burkhead's role. Damian Pierce carried the ball 26 times. I need something in between that makes it so that Damian Pierce is only carrying the ball like 18 or 20 times, not 26. Now, if they're going to try to bridge that gap by just saying, you know what, we're just going to feed Pierce. And we're just going to feed him until he drops. All right. I guess I'd rather watch that, you know, from a watchability standpoint, more so than Rex Burkhead. But I'm really regretting right now that they don't have a better solution to go alongside those two guys in the backfield. He also had three catches. So that's 29 times he touched the ball, and it's great, but he's taking a beating. And I'm thinking Daria Goombawali's been in the NFL since I believe 2017 when mm -hmm. he was here for the first time. And he had a few carries in preseason where he looked good. Why couldn't they put him out here and give him, say, five carries, let Burkhead catch two or three passes, and then Pierce touch the ball's runner-receiver about 20 to 22 times a game? Yeah, absolutely. Give a Goomba Wally a chance. Yes, yes, yes. That's feed Dare. Feed Dare. Let uh, let let Dari cook. Let Dari cook. Yeah, we John. Any slogan we're going to do is going to be around his first name, not his last name. I think we can agree on that. Right when I was able to pronounce it, he got cut. <laughs> Back in the day, I know. I want him to get carries just so I have to hear Clint Sterner try to pronounce his name <laughs> in the post game show. That's the only. It would reason. be. It would be Dari. It would be Dari. Yeah, or Chief. Yeah, there's, Chief. There's no Goomba Wallies that he's new growing up where he had to pronounce their name in Baytown. Not a big name in Baytown, Agumba Wale. No, you're absolutely right about that. All right, so that puts a capper on the Texans portion of the podcast. John, as far as other things that went on uh, around the league today, um, let me ask you this. Who is Who loses their job first? Matt Rule in Carolina as the head coach or Baker Mayfield as the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers? As soon as Sam Darnold is ready to come back, he'll be the starter, I'll guarantee you. And there was this unbelievable stat that Rule is like one in – he's been there two years. He has this terrible record when opponents score 17 points. He's only won once. 
and he's lost every other game. Matt's gone, and it's just a matter of which college job he wants to, to take. Dave Tepper should fire him during the season. Otherwise, if he waits till after the season in January, the college got, yeah, uh, jobs are going to be taken. In that case, he'd sit out a year and wait to see what comes up. But he's showing he's just much better suited for college after turning around Temple and Baylor. Does that surprise you, John? I know you're a fan of Matt Rule. I know you're friendly with Matt Rule. Matt Rule has been a guy who his his turnaround at both of those schools, Temple and Baylor, um, we're obviously part of the reason that that he was brought into the NFL, but he's got a little bit of an NFL pedigree. He's a guy who's been earmarked by the NFL for a long time to be a future head coach. Are you surprised it's worked out as poorly as it has in Carolina for him? Well, first of all, he's only in the NFL for one season, and uh, um, that was one season with Tom Coughlin, and everybody thought the Giants were going to hire him, which is one reason he got $62 million over seven years. He had a good agent. And so I don't think uh, the way they're throwing the money around in college football, he may get more than that. He might go back because he is a proven product, great recruiter. I think he'd be really good at TV if he wanted to do it, but obviously he wants to coach, but uh, he'll be gone next season. Sam Darnold or I'm stunned Mayfield's playing as bad as he's playing over there. Yeah. It's not the people around him. He's just playing really bad. By the way, Texans got a big, another break today when the Browns lost. I was just about to bring that up, John. Two and three. Yep. Two and three. They play, and all they do is play close games. Two and three, and all five of the games have come down to the wire. This one, though, they were leading, uh, they were leading big in this game early against the Chargers. Um, but Justin Herbert able to bring the Chargers back. Cade York has a chance to win the game with a 53-yard field goal, and he uh, he pushes it wide right. Um, so the Browns are now two and three. And as you and I have talked about both on this podcast and on Payne and Pendergast, it is not an easy patch of schedule that the Browns have coming up here um, imminently. I mean, it started today, but uh, they play the Patriots at home next week. The Patriots looked really good today oh, against the Detroit goodness. Lions. Matt Patricia revenge game. Um, then the Browns are at Baltimore, home for Cincinnati. They have a bye, and then they're at Miami, at Buffalo, and home for Tampa Bay before facing the Texans. That's that is a, I mean that's that's a tough stretch of football. Now who knows, uh, you know what these teams' injuries, the new concussion protocol knocked Teddy Bridgewater out today of a game. So Skylar Thompson played. Who knows who's playing quarterback for the Dolphins? But just on paper right now, how these teams are currently comprised and look. There's no not only are there no gimmies in there, there's a few, there's a two or three games in here where the the Browns are going to be probably a, 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 a probably a six or seven point underdog in these games. Guess who gets to come back to work on Monday? Sean Watson. That's right. He can go and he can work and he can he's been off on his own. Now he's back and uh he'll be working for that big debut against the Texans at NRG Stadium, which that's going to be so much fun leading up to that game. And then, of course, after it as we talk about it. But uh, I'm stunned that the Browns are two and three. And it's not their defense has not played nearly as well as they thought they would. No. Yeah, he's allowed back in the building. And then I think he's allowed back at practice a few weeks before that Texans game. I don't know the exact schedule, but for those people who think like he's he's banned from the building and he's not going to be able to show up till the week of the Texans game, it is kind of a a a smoothed, you know, kind of gradual transition back into being the starting quarterback for Deshaun that includes him being allowed to go into the building. So yeah, the Browns lose today. They fall to two and three. Um, 
And uh, meanwhile, I guess just a couple other ones to hit on, John, with you. Uh, the AFC South is now being led by the Tennessee Titans. 0-2 to start the season, 3-2. and Mike Vrabel seems to have righted the ship. They get an interception on the last play of the game today down near the goal line. Washington driving for what would have been a go-ahead touchdown, and Carson Wentz throws an interception, and the Titans are able to hold on and win 21-17. Um, so the Titans now lead the division at 3-2. Three, three and two. The Colts are 2-2-1, two, two and one, and I feel like the gap between the Titans and the Colts, just in terms of the quality of the two teams is way bigger than just one half of the game, one half game in the standings right now. The Titans are doing just enough to win, right? But Tannehill's not doing much. Derrick Henry had a hundred yard game, but it was barely over a hundred. Mike Vrabel is a great coach and he's proven it. The commanders are awful. You know, they're coming here to play the Texans at some point. I tell you, I, the game I actually watched other than the Texans was the Packers, Losing to the Giants. The London Can you game. imagine right now in New York, they got the Yankees about to play the Guardians. They got the Jets winning big. They got the Giants upsetting the Packers. They got the Mets playing. By the time this comes out, we'll know if the Mets advance to play Atlanta. Um, and that if the Mets win, they'll play Atlanta or the Dodgers. Yeah. I can't. I Dodgers, yeah, because it's Dodgers, they're the four yeah. versus five, yeah. But what a great time to to be a a columnist or a sports talk shows host in New York because there have been some really really bleak times for all those teams other than the Yankees in recent years. Yeah, you know, I really feel for New York, John. I just feel I have a soft <laughs> spot in my heart for the fans in New York. <laughs> Such a subdued bunch. <laughs> I I I I'm Brian Dable, the coach. Right now, they're four and one. I think if you had to pick a coach of the year, it would be him. And it's interesting to me, he worked with Nick Serio two times with New England. They had the same agent. And I thought that he would – I remember putting him on all my list, but they never interviewed him either time. So there's something there. And then I wondered, could they be – could people have known Dable and uh, Joe Shane would be a package deal – from the Bills to go as head coach and general manager uh, or told people that's what they wanted to do. But it's kind of strange that he never got any love at all here from Nick Casario. Yeah, it is weird. He's doing a great job in New York, doing a great job. Daniel Jones making just enough plays today to win that football game. That was a fun game. And Saquon Barkley, getting Saquon Barkley back. The two coaches who also coached Saquon Barkley before Brian Dayball got there uh, are probably both like, what the hell, man? Like Joe Judge is probably like, Okay, this guy gets healthy, Saquon Barkley. I didn't get squat. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, last year of his contract. It's amazing how that happens, isn't it? <laughs> Judge and Barkley stay healthy in the last years of their contracts. Yep, uh, absolutely. All right, so we uh, we are done. We're still, even with the bye week coming up, we're still doing a couple podcasts this week. So it's a normal schedule for us. We'll have a mailbag podcast coming out on Wednesday this week. And um, we'll figure some stuff out to talk about on Thursday this week for sure. Uh, Astros. Astros baseball, John. It might be an Astros special bi-week Astros baseball version of the Utopia football podcast. So um, send in your questions, and they can be Astros, Texans, NFL, anything related. Just good questions, good things that make for good talk and good fodder on the on this podcast. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. Dot com. How you feeling about the Mariners, John, uh, as the opponent for the Astros in the next round of the playoffs? 
No, one of the Mariners before the Blue Jays. Blue Jays pitching is not very good, but, man, they can hit the ball. I was happy for the Mariners. Astros know them well. Mariners are one of the worst hitting teams in baseball, and so uh, I look forward to see the Astros playing them, and hopefully there will not be an upset. Yes, yeah, fingers crossed for sure. All right, so we are done. Figgy Fig, we thank you for getting the podcast out to everybody, especially on Sunday nights like this, making sure people have it in their uh, whatever mechanism they use for podcasts, making sure they have it Monday morning so they can get our breakdown of these games. Texans victorious for the first time this year heading into the bye week. It feels good. 13-6, to the final score. They beat the Jags. Uh, So for Figgy Fig and for John McClain, I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you later this week, the mailbag episode on Wednesday. We'll talk to you then. Have a great Monday, everybody.